Praise God. Well, good morning and welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. You know, this morning, as I was dwelling on the Word of God, He put a scripture in my heart. It's out of 2 Corinthians. And it says this, But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And that's what we're singing about this morning. That this morning, in this house, our Savior reigns on high in this place. And this morning, He wants to touch lives. This morning, He wants to move in this place. This morning, He wants to be worshipped and loved and adored. And He deserves He deserves that. You know, my wife was given a word this last week, and the word that was given to her was that she was going to have 2020 vision as we go into 2020. It wasn't just about her eyes. It was about her spirit and about seeing in a new way, in a clearer way. And I believe this morning, and I believe this new year as we go into 2020, that as we draw closer to the Father like we are this morning, He will shift our vision. How many want that this new year? I do. So as we go into worship, let's choose to draw closer to the Father. Because He wants to do something in our lives. He wants to shift our hearts. He wants to shift our visions. And He wants to shift our minds. So this morning, let's go into worship with Him. Father, we thank You for who You are and what You've done. This morning, we choose to honor You and to give You praise and worship. Because You are a good God. And we choose to love You this day. In Jesus' name, let's worship Him. So I just got this scripture this morning, and it's so everybody knows the second part of it, but therefore God elevated Him to the highest, or the place of highest honor, and gave Him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of the Father our God. So it just hit me this morning that God is actually elevating Jesus and praising Jesus. And this morning, I just felt like we were joining in with God and elevating Jesus. So can we just continue to do that this morning? Let's just join in with our Father and say, Jesus, we elevate your name and we lift it up that you may be glorified this morning, God, that you may be lifted high in every place in our lives, God. Lord, that the name of Jesus may be glorified and that at the name of Jesus our knees would bow and that the demons would bow and that every, every sickness would bow to the name of Jesus because He's been elevated above everything. Even the Father elevated Him to the place of highest honor. So Jesus, we bless You. We join in with the Father and we bless You and we lift Your name on high. God, we want to worship you and we want to say you are worthy to be praised. God, you are worthy to be praised. You know, there's many ways that we can measure our spirituality. And there's all there's many legitimate measurements for our spirituality. And there's a couple of key ones, and the one we've just touched on is worship. God's looking for those that worship Him because the essence of worship is, is honor. The inverse of worship is when you worship yourself, you honor yourself. So our capacity to honor, our capacity to not in our hearts in any way look for what is belonging to Him, what He deserves. Idolatry in the Scripture is the nemesis of true religion. 
because it's another form of worship. And idolatry is defined as worshiping the works of our own hands. Isaiah 2. So I want to I want to put this before you church. You might not like clapping, you might not like lifting your hands, you may not like dancing, you may not like But you know what? At the end of the day, it's not about what you like. It's about what he's asked for. And he said clap your hands, he said shout, he said lift up your voice, he said make a joyful noise, he said dance, he said sing. He said do these things, all of these things. Not one of them, not two of them. All of them. He said be glad. Yeah, well, I don't feel glad. He said be glad. What if gladness was a decision? What if it was a matter of focusing on him what he wants more than what you want? Father, I pray that the trajectory of our lives would be increasing worship an increasing ability to honor you above all things to put you first that to say we honor the name above every name we honor Jesus god may it may this be said of us maybe it be such a central part of our lives that we we'll, we'll want to inscribe it on our our tombstones others will know this of us we pray in jesus name can you say amen hallelujah well just a second i'm going to ask chris to come forward and um but this morning we got a prophetic word this morning before the service somebody had a dream and in the dream now this is really important but this morning uh Miranda Brown had a dream and the essence of the dream was this was that we were out trying to share our faith but our sharing was ineffective and somehow it became clear that the reason it was ineffective was because of idolatry in our lives you know one of the things about david is that he was aware of the honor that he was due as king but he was more aware of the honor that was due the lord such that he was quite willing more than willing in fact eager to not do anything that would appear in the context of worship that he was competing with honor and so he was always taking the lowest place Father I pray God that you would help us to do that. Now, you know, one of the things that happens when we uh when we when we're told, okay, this is what a true faith looks like. This is what loving God looks like. Then we try to we want to line up to that, don't we? We want to we want to do the right things. But let me ask you a question. The Bible says you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, yeah? Soul, mind, strength. That's a lot. That's a lot. And it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I, I, I love God. Well, maybe not the most, but I love Him a lot. How do you quantify how much you love God? Think about it if you're talking like food. I love hamburgers. Anybody who knows me knows I love hamburgers. Why? Because every time I go to a restaurant, nine out of ten times I'm ordering a burger. When people ask me what would you like to eat 9 out of 10 times I say make me hamburgers. I say that you know a bad hamburger is almost better than every any other good meal. Cuz I love hamburgers. Now there's no virtue in that. But do you love God as much as I love hamburgers? Uh, let me put it this way. The frequency that you go to something is indicative of how much you love it. Oh, I I love hamburgers, but you know, once a week maybe. I could eat hamburgers every day. Would it be safe to say I love hamburgers more than you? 
or somebody else. Maybe your, maybe your love is pizza or maybe it's Chinese food. But the thing you go to that you never tire of going to, that you're always excited about having, it's an indicator that you love that thing. Do you have to be convinced to worship? Do you have to be persuaded? Is it, is it, is it unreasonable to worship God more than two, three, four times a week? Is it unreasonable to worship God more than 40 minutes? It's like, okay, come on, this, that's enough. How much do you love God? It's easy to say, I love God. But you realize now, in the same way there are measures of loving hamburgers, there are measures of loving God. What if you could love God more? And what if it started by admitting that maybe you don't love God as much as you could? It's simple like that. It's, a, it's just that simple. The thing that, that killed the Pharisees is they refused to believe that they were lacking in the essential things. They refused. They just, it, w- it was so caustic to their, their sense of self, they refused to even believe it. They wanted to just, no, no, we're good at this. No, no, we love God. No, 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 you're lying. All Jesus wanted, just admit the truth. If you would just admit the truth. So what I, I do this all the time. God, I want to love you more. When I look at others who appear to love God more than, that, more than me, I say, God, I want to love God like that person. I want to be diligent like that person. I want to be committed like that person. Covet to love God more. It's a gift. You can, he wants to pour this out. He wants to pour this out on his body. And I want him to pour it out here. I want people to whisper about us. I want, to, I want him to call us Jesus freaks. I want us to be so compelled, so in love with Jesus. Remember when you were dating your wife? Every conversation was about her. Oh, you should have seen my, my girl. She said this. It was so cute. It was so wonderful. It was sickening. You were so preoccupied. We should be so preoccupied with Jesus. Oh, I like Jesus in moderation, the religious spirit would say. That's where I am. My heart's grown cold. I want to be excited. I want to long for him. I want to anticipate coming into his presence. I want to want to talk about him. That's not an obligation. It's a gift. What I'm telling you is how to get it. How to get that gift of loving Jesus. So, Father, we pray today, make us lovers of God. We want to be lovers of God. We don't want to be law keepers. We don't want to be obedient Christian. We want to be lovers of God. Then obedience will come easy. Make us lovers of God. We want to love you with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our strength, with all of our soul. Father, give us an ability to love you. Fill us with awe. Can we say amen to that? Can we say this morning, I love you, Jesus? Can we declare this morning that we will choose in this new year to honor him and to love him in a way that we've never done before. You know, I shared it last Sunday. The season for counterfeit love is over. It's time to love God. It's time to love his people in a way we've never done it before. This isn't just for you and me. It's for everybody outside these doors. Because we want to see a community transformed. And I know each of you in this room want to be transformed. There's one way of doing it. We draw closer and closer and closer and closer to Jesus. Amen? All right, well, let's welcome Pastor Mark.
All right. So great to be here. You know what? I, I, Christmas is great. Family stuff is great. But it's kind of like, to me, like all vacations. Um, I miss corporate worship. I, I miss the atmosphere of God's presence when it comes down on us. And uh, should I move back? Is that, uh, is that the main problem? Is it better here? It's better here? Okay. Sorry? I can't hear you. Must be the Lord. Wow. So, so amazing what God is doing. We're coming up to 2020. And... uh, I mean, 2020, the number, obviously, has already been referenced to 2020 vision. But I, if there's one thing you can ask for going in, it is that kind of clarity. 2020 vision. And uh, there's so many things. A few weeks ago, I, I shared a message, not business as usual. Uh, I believe that with increasing presence, with increasing authority, with increasing glory in the kingdom of God, that there's increased accountability and so as we come into the new year there's increased accountability now here's here's the problem with that is is we're always trying to be what we need to be through means god has not provided so we're trying to, so when I call you, I say, oh, this year we need to up our game. It's like, for many of you, it's like, oh, are you serious? I've already, I upped my game last year and it killed me. <laughs> Evidently not. The kingdom of God is not about you trying harder. It's finding another source right. of power. Yes. The kingdom of God is always about the place from which power comes. And we're going we're gonna to talk here in a minute about the idea of entering his rest. Bob Jones gave a word before he died about 2020. And that 2020 was going to be a year of entering, the church entering God's rest. So I'm going to talk about what that means. Um, but ultimately at its core... It's not about your improved performance in the sense that I'm obligating you to do more. It is about a better performance, but it's not about you trying harder. It's about you finding a source of power that's better than anything you've ever ever found. You know, the the, the key, I mean, in the natural, right? We we have this issue, we talk about... uh, we talk about uh, oil and the rest of that. Well, you know, if we, we want the nations to get off of oil, we need another source of power. The option to just stop is just not there. I mean, it, you know, unless you want oblivion to our culture, to our system, to mass starvation, poverty. You know, so similarly, there's, a, there's an equivalent spiritually where a people have been mandated by God to find more of God's power, not to lower what we're called to be, not to lower, well, you know what? God knows that we're dust, therefore he's going to forego that requirement. He's not foregoing any requirement. This is the beauty about God. He's raising the bar and he's saying, just find the power. All right? Are we, are we good with that? We're going to go into this. So I want you to turn, if you have a Bible, man, we might not get to uh, all of these scriptures, but I, I wrote a few down. This is a, a theme I, I've taught for years on this theme of entering God's rest. The language comes from Hebrews, Hebrews 3 and 4, but it actually speaks of a pattern, a template that God established from the very beginning. That the whole idea of the kingdom and the tension between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness is really about rest versus toil. 
And the issue around that is really about what power you're drawing from. And so in the past, we've talked about this. We've skirted the issue. I've never actually used the language too much, but we're going to use the language today. And maybe in the next few weeks, I'll I'll revisit this. But we're, we're talking about entering God's rest. In the past, I talked about the idea of, you know, the, there's a line drawn between two kingdoms. And when you draw the power from, from this world, the, these are the results you get. When you draw the power from this world, these are the results you get. So when you're drawing the power from God, there are certain things that are outcomes. So when the Bible is saying, you know, if, if you love God, it looks like this. He's, it's basically saying, listen, the evidence, the fruit of your life tells the story of where you're getting your strength. Let me say that again. The fruit of your life tells you where you're focused. Blessed is the man whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. I mean, there's a phrase that has been repeated again and again and again and again and again. Blessed is more than, hey, nice. It's no. The man who does these things is tapping in to the providence, the power, the supply of heaven. And therefore, these things follow him. And so, well, I've had it really hard. I'm struggling in this and this and this and this. The answer is shift. Well, how do you do that? Well, that's the problem. That is the problem right there. How do you shift? How, how do you... Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. How do I trust in the Lord? If I say I trust in the Lord, does that make it so? No, because the Pharisees, right? The, what did Jesus say about them? These people, right, worship me in vain. With their lips, but their hearts are far from me. This was the issue with the religious leaders of Jesus' day. It was, it was the truth in Isaiah when Isaiah was prophesying to Israel. He said, your problem, you've... you've you're doing all the trappings of Christianity. And that's the tragic thing. Imagine living in church and com- coming to this building for 30 years and doing the things and trying to measure up and doing the things and working harder. And well, maybe if I just gave more money, maybe if I just spent more time here, maybe if I, although those things are great, but if you're doing it out of obligation, if you're doing it out of trying to measure up, if you're not, if it's not the fruit of, rest, being connected to him, then it's worthless. And that's what Jesus was saying to the very best of his day. Everything you're doing is basically worthless. What was the response? Well, let's kill him, right? Father, I pray today that you would give us a revelation of what's available Because, God, you have done it all. You have made everything available to us. Everything that we can have has already been provided. And so, Father, we pray, God, that that shift out of addiction, out of fear, out of doubt, out of anxiety, out of striving, out of weakness, Father, that we would find our strength, our force in you. In Jesus' name. So, there's a term in the scripture, it talks about the land flowing with milk and honey. Right? You've heard that before? The land flowing with milk and honey. Well, basically, it started with the promise that came to Israel. Israel, of course, you know, they're in slavery. They're in Egypt. They're under bondage. Terrible scenario, but it's a prophetic picture, okay? It's a prophetic picture of what God is doing with us today. But if you look back, everything that happened to the nation of Israel is sort of representative of what happens to us. So when we look at Israel, they're in Egypt, they're under slavery. So Egypt and slavery is synonymous with being not saved, being being under another spirit, under another kingdom, under the, the principalities and the the powers of this present age. And so, so you're under those things, but the promise is that God is going to set you free. And that's the promise that was given to the slaves. 
the Hebrews in Israel were told, listen, you are going to be set free and God is going to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. So here's the picture. Over on one side, you have slavery. You're being whipped. You're being beaten. You're living on almost nothing. You're not free to do what you want. You're not free to live how you want. You're under complete bondage and you're crying out daily. And they cried out daily to God. God, when are you going to set us free? They believed there was a promise coming. But God said, listen, there's a whole other existence I have for you that's free from all of this stuff. Now, we may not literally be in slavery, but sin is slavery. And I'm going to go a step further. Is when you're under sin, you're under a source of power that keeps leading you to sin. That's why people sin. It's because they're tapping into the, the power of sin and they don't know it. Because the power of sin is at work within people's lives, unbeknownst to them. And the promise is, I want to take you to a place, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And that's the, that's the Old Testament prom, promise. The New Testament promise is kind of like it. It's in Matthew eleven twenty eight. You probably all know it. You probably memorized it as kids if you, were, you know, grew up in the church. But here's, here's the promise. Jesus gave this. He says to them, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Wow, what a great promise. So Israel is given this promise that said, Listen, I'm going to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. And compared to the bondage and the slavery of Israel, a land flowing with milk and honey sounds really great. But he goes on and he says more. And uh, in Deuteronomy 6, verse 10 and 11, he says, says this, So it shall be, when the Lord God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, because this promise had been given to the patriarchs, he says, when, when I give you that, the land flowing of milk and honey, he, he elaborates what that's going to look like. And this is what it looks like. He says, to give you large and beautiful cities. Wow. Large and beautiful cities. That's great. But here's the, here's the beauty of it. Which you did not build. Houses full of good things which you did not fill. Hewn out wells which you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you are eaten, when you're full, then he said, remember, it's me that did this. So this promise, this promise is what God is giving us today. He's saying, listen, the covenant that I make with you is I'm going to bring you into things that you did not do, that you did not earn, that you did not labor for. You didn't, you didn't get this in the sweat of your brow. You didn't get this by digging down and trying harder. Now, we should talk about trying harder sometime, but not today. One of those little rabbit trails. So I'm going to try and stay on the basic message. Try harder, Ben says. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> now, the idea of the, the land flowing milk and honey is mentioned 20 times in, in the early uh, scripture, obviously representative of this, 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 this promise that God has given. But this is a pivotal thing. It's not just the idea that you get stuff, but you get stuff without paying for it. Now, for a lot of people, that's a, that's a, that's a permission to shoplift. Okay, no, but without breaking the law. Uh, and now, again, it's a picture of something. When, when you become a Christian, God has made certain things available to you. And, uh, and he's made them available, I'm going to get ahead of myself here, through a promise. 
And so Jesus says, listen, this is what the promise looks like. I want you to think about your Christian life today. And I want you to think, I don't want a response, but how easy is it? Now, if Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, right? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lonely heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Wow, ever since I became Christian, that's all I've had is rest for my soul. (laughs) Ever since I became a Christian, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But that's not exactly how it happened. I mean, today... When I measure today against 30 years ago, oh yeah, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But between here and here, how did I get there? What, what is the effect in my life? And if, you're, if you've been a Christian a little while, you know that, wow, you know, some things I used to struggle with, some things that used to be hard are so easy now. I mean, they're just so, it's just flat out, it's like shoe fly, you know, not a problem. Dealing with sin, dealing with depression, dealing with heaviness, dealing with fear. I mean, these are all things that when you're under those and you struggle with them, they're not easy. They're not light. But once you get free, you look back, you think, man, I can't hardly believe I was there. The promise is given to start to initiate a process. And the process has to do with you coming into that thing. And the question is, how do you come into that peace? How do you come into that tranquility? How do you come into that ease? Well, some people decide, well, I just, I'm just going to stop trying. Well, sometimes if you just stop trying, nothing happens at all. Why? Because, well, I can't tell you today. But let me talk about this. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. Because if we want to know the nature of the problem, I mean, we have, we have the promise here. A life of rest, a life of, that's a yoke that's easy, a burden that's light. That's wonderful. But... If you want to understand why you don't have that, you have to go back to the beginning. Uh, turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I won't go into the whole thing that happened. We know that the woman ate of the tree that they were told not to eat of, right? And then Adam foolishly went and did the same. I can make a joke there, but I won't. <laughs> but in verse 17, God is rebuking. He's already rebuked the woman. He's already said, listen, because of what you did, this is what's going to happen to you. And he's saying to the man, because you did this, this is what's going to happen to you. Now, what he's saying is this is the consequence of what you've done. This is not, this is not a punitive thing that I'm putting on you. This is the fruit of your choice. We need to understand that, that, that God is not foisting upon man evil things. Man has chosen an evil path. The outcomes are evil things. So what he's saying to them is said, listen, I told you not to eat of that tree. I told you the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that there's death in it. And the day you eat it, you're going to die. So I told you that. Now I'm saying... Listen, I didn't elaborate before as to what that was going to look like. Now I'm going to elaborate what is it going to look like. And the childbirth pain and all the rest of that, the subservience of women to men, etc. All that happened, that was a result of that. And he says to, to the man, he turns to the man, he says, and this is really very telling. Then Adam, then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field in the sweat of your brow. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread 
till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So, in short, this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you guys, you haven't just eaten of a tree. You've come into another kingdom. You've come under a series of laws, a series of principles that you were not affected by before. Not only you, but all of creation. All of creation has been visited with a dynamic, with a, with a, a, a realm that was not on the earth before. Now, he says, he says everything you're gonna, if you're going to produce anything good, it's going to happen out of the sweat of your brow. Let me give you a couple of evidences of that. How about your yard? How many times a summer? Like, wouldn't it be nice to just do something once and then it's done? Right? I mean, you weed the yard once and it's done? That would be great. But no, if, there's, if you're going to have anything nice, right? If you're going to have a nice car, if you're going to have a nice house, if you're going to have a painted barn, a painted face, right? <laughs> Whatever you have that's nice, in order to maintain that niceness, you have to fight for it. You have to work at it. You have to labor. I mean, nothing is going to come easy. There's a principle now at work in the earth, and it's called death, and it's, it's against everything. It's like running now into the wind. You can get somewhere, but you're running against all the wind. All the currents are flowing against you. Before, all the currents were flowing for you. The earth, creation, the atmosphere, the weather, everything cooperated. Everything always brought you to bumper crops and, and blessing, and, and it was easy. It wasn't that there wasn't something to do, because Adam and Eve were tending the garden constantly. So they had stuff to do, except now, wind in your face. Now you've got resistance. Now you've got, you've got things that, you know, Murphy's Law. What's Murphy's Law? If anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. All right, now, well, you know, you shouldn't say that because we're Christians. I'm just saying that that's, that's the reality. That's the system we've entered into. That's what's come upon us, come upon our lives. And what God is saying is, I am giving you something different. I'm offering you a life where everything is not against you. And I, I remember, oh, I so wanted to believe that. As a young Christian, I thought, this is going to be great. This is going to, this is going to be excellent. But I, started, I found out that when good things happen, bad things happen shortly after. And I, I got afraid. At, at one point, he even, he even said, oh, this is so, gr- this is so great. Because then these words would come to my mind. If it's, if it's too good to be true, it's not true. So it was always this... Okay, I'm trying to be a good Christian. I'm having a great week. Well, you know what that means. Next week's going to be really bad because you have to have an equal assortment. It's not the way God intended. Actually, what's happening in my life, maybe in your life too, is that each year is getting better and better and better and better and better. Not because everything's ideal, not because the sin principle and the laws of thermodynamics have been lifted off of the face of the earth, but because there's a force that's working inside of me that's greater than the force that's bringing degradation. See, what we're doing is there's a power. It's called life. What Adam and Eve released into creation was death. That's what God, God said to him. He said, listen, on the, on the day you eat of it, you shall die. We said, well, he, he didn't really die, you know, because he, he died several hundred years later. But what happened was death entered into creation. For that moment, as you know today, the day you're born, you're starting to die. Right? We say that. You get a new car today, it's, this is his best point. It's, it's going downhill. That's the laws of thermodynamics. It's energy is always... De-escalating, it's right digressing to lower forms of energy. Anything that that's brought higher is done so through uh, effort. 
That's the world. But God is saying, listen, I have power to reverse the curse. I have power to reverse death. I have power to be wind at your back. Well, this is great. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm, well, I want some of that. That's the promise. I will bring you into land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to have houses and lands and vineyards. You didn't, you didn't plant. You didn't build. You didn't sweat. You didn't, you didn't make it happen. There's a power of a commanded blessing. There's a power of another kingdom that God wants to bring and flow through a people to stand in opposition to declare you don't have to live this way. But here's the problem is that we come into it gradually. In fact, we come into it so gradually, at times people would accuse and say, it's obviously not real, because it's not happening right now. Well, Adam could have said that about the death thing. Well, I didn't die, I'm still here. Well, the world is way worse, but, but I didn't die. Oh yeah, but a thousand years is as a day. And the day that you die, you eat of that tree, you die. they didn't live a thousand years. So that day, in the, one of the Lord's days, they died. But of course we know that spiritually they were separated from the resurrection and the life. See, the, the kingdom of God, entering his rest, it's not about not working, it's not about not having any goals or any aims anymore. It's not about just passively, you know, que sera, sera, you know, we'll just, you know, whatever happens, it happens. No, it's, it's, actually, it's actually about bringing the power of another kingdom that is much greater onto the circumstances that are before us in the real world. This is, this is the, the, the model. This is the message of the whole of the New Testament and the Old Testament alike. That's why Jesus came and he healed the sick. That's why he raised the dead. That's why he cast out demons. Because he's saying, listen, the, the kingdom, what I have, is greater than anything that's happening in your life. There's one, one requirement. One requirement. Oh, wow, we got to try really, really hard. No, no, no. I mean, that's what I thought when I was young, uh, when I was first came into Christianity. You know, I was having a hard time being good. You know, I was the guy who was always, I walked around holding the principal's hand at, you know, grade one and grade two, grade three. I was, I was within arm's reach of my teacher in every grade. You know, I was that kid. And so when I became a Christian, I thought, oh, I was having a hard time being regular good. Now I got to be Christian good? No, it's not about effort. And the promise of Matthew 11 is saying, listen, it's not based on effort. My yoke is easy. Come to me if you're weary of the struggle, if you're weary of trying to do things in your own strength, if you're weary, you're ready to give up, if you're, I'm done, then come to me. The one thing he requires is believe. 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 Well, okay, I, I believe. All right, no, you believe a little. The more you believe, the more these things start to work in your life. The issue is faith. How much do you believe? And that's why the language that Jesus used, he talked about weak faith, strong faith. Talked about large faith. I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel when, he, when he's talking about the centurion. Wow, look at this. None of the Jews even believe like this. Get, get a load of this. He, he saw something. The centurion saw something and he believed. So the real barometer of this journey, how much of this other life comes cascading down into you is based on whether you believe or not. Oh, well then, man, I'm all in. 
I mean, when I heard this message, when I got saved, I thought, well, this is it. Well, I believe then. Yeah, it's easy to say you believe. But faith is an issue of the heart. Faith is what you actually really depend on. Faith is what you think is going to get you through the door at the end of the day. So how do I... How do I not do it with confidence in me? That's the journey. The journey is, now here's the things, here's what faith looks like. Faith, my yoke is easy, my burden is life. Faith, faith, is, faith is faithful. Faith, you know, faith allows you to worship God. Faith causes you to be diligent. Faith causes you, you know, it releases the providence of God, so the love of God's in you, so you do all these things, you're a great Christian. You say, oh, okay, I'm going to do that. But what you inevitably be do, start doing like me is you start doing it all in your own strength. Oh, now you've got to be nice to everybody. Because, of course, I want to be good at this, and even more importantly, I want people to think I'm good at this. And so I'm doing my best job to, to display the good job that I'm doing. But I find after a while, man, it's really hard to keep it up. Right? Yeah. Because, you know, you've got to be nice all the time. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Bless you. You're wonderful. I love you. You're great. Now, can I help you with that? But eventually, like, uh, I need to pull away and be who I really am. Have a rest. Why? Because it's not really real. My yoke is easy. Listen, he's saying, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And my yoke is easy. Be perfect and do it easily. I can, I can do some version of that that I convince myself is the right one, but it's going to cost me everything. How can I do it and it be easy? The prescription is there on purpose so that we're never deceived about whether we got the real thing or some phony version of it. And it's easy to have a phony version of it. And the whole trajectory of the history of Israel is the phoniness versus the real. That's our story. So, okay, I'm, I'm going to now, I'm going to be loving. Because that was, this is my thought. I'm going to love everybody because... But I was approaching it like an obligation, like a criteria. I, I thought, I, if I want this job of ministry, because I felt called to ministry, I need to be a nice guy. I need to be loving. So I did the best version I could, and then God comes along, and he pops my balloon. He says, yeah, you said this thing, and you did that thing, and yeah, but you did it for this reason because you wanted to be noticed and you did it because you liked that girl and you did it because you liked all those other girls. And there was a lot of girls in the early days, you know. <laughs> and, and you did it to, to appear like a good candidate for ministry and you did it because you wanted to impress that guy and you did it because you love yourself. So when you are at the center of this, what it produces is something other than this. And so God's, God's sitting back and he's saying, okay, you can enter, but you'd enter in through actually leaning on God. I'll tell you one story and then I'm, I'll begin to wrap it up. When we first started our ministry, Watchmen on the Wall Ministries back in, was it 86. 1986, seems like a long time ago now. 1986. I, I had all the faith teaching. I knew what faith looked like more than anybody. I could talk like I had faith. So I'm, I'm doing the talk because I'm sincerely trying to look like I have faith because I think I have faith. And what I don't realize is the journey between between where I am and experiencing all these things that God said I would, is actually starting to believe. But at this point, I have an amount of unbelief and amount of faith, as we all do. 
To the degree that I have faith, I don't have unbelief. To the degree that I have unbelief, I don't have faith. And that shouldn't be hard. And that shouldn't make you feel bad about yourself. Even the disciples were rebuked for not having enough faith. So who do we think we are? Right? If I had all faith, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, such that I could say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. Okay. All right, I admit it. I don't have all faith. Okay, good. Got that settled. Nobody here has all faith. All right, bless you. So you're somewhere on the journey of having some, but not enough, not as much as you're going to have tomorrow. So how do you get to the place where you have more? First, you have to realize that you don't have faith. Ah, man, really rubs on my ego. I mean, the Pharisees hated that. When Jesus suggested they weren't everything they ought to be, we're not born of fornication. We have Abraham as our father. No, you don't. Abraham is not your father. If Abraham were your father, you would do the deeds of your father. But you seek to kill me. He said, if you, would, if, if you were Abraham's children, you would love me. So anyway, I'm going to do this ministry. I'm gonna, okay, we're just called to do this. We're gonna do, I'm call, I feel called to do itinerant ministry, to travel around the churches. Got two problems. No, no churches want me to come. <laughs> and I have no money to get there. So, but faith, you know, so I'm believing God. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting God. And I remember Wendy and I uh, started traveling and uh, I, the first year I was traveling, I, we brought Tiffany with us. I mean, not Tiffany, Jennifer. Seemed small at the time. <laughs> Tiffany's the smallest, the youngest, but it was Jennifer. She was the baby once. And, and, uh, and we would travel all around Alberta, north, northern BC, into, into Saskatchewan. And after about a year of this, I was at a meeting at a church here in, in the West End. It was actually Alex and Rosetta's church, the Oasis. And they had this guy named Eddie Trout, from a prophet from South Africa. And he is a very cool guy. Anyway, he, he's prophesying over people. Anyway, he's, he's, he gave us some great prophecies, but he's preaching on faith. And he, he, all, he says this thing. He says, he says, you know, sometimes we don't even take offerings because offerings aren't our source. God's our source. I, I said that exact thing. I, I used to say stuff like that all the time because remember... I know how to sound like I believe. But what I, you know what I don't know? My heart. There's a reason Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God pierces to show the intent of the heart. Because you don't know the intent of your heart until it's revealed to you. Until then, you have optimism. Or pessimism, depending on your bent. I had optimism. Oh, I'm pretty good at this. I'm a believing. I'm, nobody's as faithful as me. Everybody tells me that because I did some things well. But, you know, now I'm measuring against God and I may do well against this guy and this guy and this guy, but now I'm in a journey with God and God say, yeah, you don't have enough faith. In fact, you hardly have any. He didn't actually say that. But as I realize after him coming again and again and again and showing me that I don't, I stopped pretending that I did. This is very liberating. Anyway, I'm in the meeting and he says, God's our source, not offerings. Well, I had started this ministry and I was, um, Lord told me to write. So I, I filled in all the, the blanks, told, right, because I needed to send out these newsletters and get people to subscribe and then people wouldn't be inspired by the things I'm writing and they would send an occasional offering. So I was thinking, okay, if I get... A thousand people on my mailing list, and a hundred people give an occasional gift of approximately ten to twenty dollars. Okay, this is how many people we need on our mailing list to get by. Guess what? I thought that was faith. And in that moment when he said, "God is our source," it was a, it was a, a sword. 
just went in. I can't even explain how it does it, but just illuminated. I saw that what he was saying was not the same as what I said, even though I had said the exact words. How, could, how does that happen? God illuminates. There was a quality of faith that he was speaking about I instantly knew I didn't have. And I thought, oh, no. I was kind of embarrassed. because I, And the Lord said, yeah, Mark, you don't believe me. You believe in the laws of mathematics. You believe in proportions and percentages and a little guilt, a little heavy obligation because I had all these expectations of who was going to come to my rescue. Well, of course, family members, of course, my, you know, these friends will, will give and da-da-da-da, and so that'll take care of part of this. What's... Inside the machinations of a man's mind and and the striving and the dependency on anything other than God was my natural default. That's what we need to understand. The dependency on anything other than God is, is the fallen nature. And for you to come out of that, the first step is realizing you're still in it. That despite the fact that you're saying, bless the Lord, I trust in God. That the Bible says, blessed is the man who trusts in God, because it's saying the man who really trusts in God is blessed because it opens up window provision of supply of every sort, of every kind. Imagine every kind of, so- of, of blessing there is, any kind of heavenly supply. I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about health. I'm talking about strength. I'm talking about vitality. I'm talking about the initiative to get up in the morning. I'm talking about the capacity, even the desire to love somebody that's annoying. Never mind the ability to love them, to treasure them. All those things. There's a, there's a version of all those things that is me putting on a good face. And there's a version that's born of God, that's easy and light. And it wins the day. Well, how do you love people like that? Well, you just do. Unless you can't. See, love is a commodity you receive from God when you realize you don't. When you realize that version of you smiling and saying the right things and doing the right things is putrid. It's not even worthy to be compared with the real version. Remember what he said about the time for false love is done? Chris said that. God is saying, listen, there is an ability to love people that is beyond you getting what you need. Beyond you doing what is socially acceptable or or demanded of you. To actually enjoy people. To to look at people, even, even imperfect people. Right, Brian? People who are, have defects and faults and they're imperfect and he just, you know, do you remember? I'll tell you one little story. I know I, I've, I've jumped over a bunch of things. I remember a friend of mine, he was, he was in love. And he heard him talking on the phone to his friend back in Saskatchewan. We were in Dallas, Texas. And he said, he said yeah. And these were the words I heard. And there's nothing wrong with her. Well, you haven't looked hard enough. <laughs> but, you know, love is it, not blind, but love has an ability to enjoy you without suspending the truth. Usually, in order to love, we suspend the truth, and then we can pour our affections in a certain direction. Then as the truth becomes Im- Im- unavoidable, our love decreases. That's the human version of this. The God version of this is you love defects and all. Well, how do you do that? You can't do that from this world. This world, doesn't. there's, no, there's not enough strength keeping that up every day. Impossible. God's saying, listen, I have power. I have power. What you're saying to me at, at, in that ministry moment where, Mark, 
you, you are living in constant anxiety, trying to do the numbers, trying to figure out, trying to say the right things, to meet the right people. Because if I just meet the right people, if I just have the right support in the church, if I just, maybe a big benefactor, maybe somebody who's important in the kingdom of God, you know, some kind of big ministry who sees my potential, gets behind me, and then, I'll, then I don't have to believe anymore, was really what was in my heart. God said, you're in a journey, and the journey from this world into this world is faith. And faith is dependency on me. And the problem, Mark, is you don't know the difference between dependency on me and dependency on you. But I will show you. Because the truth will set you free. I hope that makes sense to you, but we are on this journey. And the beautiful thing is, imagine this. Imagine all the power that God affords that is present with him. I mean, he can open his hand and satisfy the need of every living thing. Can you, can you see the problem with our geopolitical ideas about sustenance? I mean, mankind is doing everything to avoid dependency on God. But what what releases the bounty of God on a nation, on a civilization, is faith. Because faith brings the power of the kingdom of heaven down to earth. The reason why the West has been so prosperous isn't because they've been advantaged through, through oppression and slavery. Yeah, there have been bad things. That's not the reason the West has been so prosperous. It's because of faith. Faith causes the kingdom of God to come, the provision of heaven to come on your life as an individual, on your family, on your ministry, on your business, on your finances, on your relationships. All those things are tapped into because you lean into him. And there's an endless Endless amount. So we don't have to shy away from the language of Scripture. Be perfect as I'm perfect. Because he's not trying you, asking you to try harder. He's asking to shift sources. Believe in me. Because whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. The evidence that what you have is born of God is to the amount in which it overcomes the world. God is saying, my promise It's houses, lands, strength, vitality, love, endurance, patience. Anything you need. Father, I pray you open up the gates of our imagination today to see what is possible. Father, on a land, in an area. God, we we don't have a sense of responsibility, and we aren't called to the whole world, but we will start right here in our Jerusalem. And Father, we begin to say, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, our faith is going to begin to tap into what Jesus has already made available, and the evidence that we're starting to get is going to hit Spruce Grove. God is, God is saying the viability economically, socially of the region of the world in which you live is dependent upon your faith. If God can open his hand and satisfy the, the, the need of every living thing, then surely we can pull on the reins of heaven for spruce growth to be an anomaly. Man, I, a friend of mine, he's got a, he has a business, accounting business, so he had it, he sold it. But he, he had this accounting business, and they used a part of this national association. Every year, they'd have these, these yearly meetings, and they'd, he'd go out down east, and they would prepare two sets of books. They would prepare one set of books that excluded his, his franchise, and one set of books that included his franchise. You know why? Because his numbers skewed the national averages so much, it didn't make sense of anything. 
He was so blessed in what he was doing. His branch was so profitable that all of the branches in the, in the whole nation, to get a proper view of what was happening nationally, they had to pull his numbers out. God can open his hand. Cause an area, a region to thrive, not only, not only financially, but with good peace and goodwill. With the love of God, with the knowledge of God that causes man to fear the Lord. Where's our source? Are we depending on my ability to be good? Or are we pulling on what is already there? Father, I pray that <sighs> we could enter your rest. Father, that we'll shame and the guilt and the fear and the anxiety and the dependency on self that steals away our peace of mind, steals away our even our physical vitality. Father, we want to begin to believe. Father, in Jesus' name, wherever we are on the journey, God, accelerate the training so that we can be free. And that the world will look at Spruce Grove. All Alberta will look at Spruce Grove. Not because we are great, but they'll see the providence of God. This is not humanly possible. How can there be so much creativity? How can there be so, lack, so much lack of crime and dysfunction in one area? How is that even possible? God, in Jesus' name, it is possible. Fill us with the hope and the vision of what you what you see of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name. That's where we're going. That's what this is about. One day it's going to fill the whole earth, but it may as well start in Spruce Grove. So forget about St. Albert. Come and move to Spruce Grove. <laughs> Live here. That's not really designed for anybody. I just threw a name of a city out there. Anyway, if this is, I want to encourage you one thing. Don't be afraid of the truth. Don't be afraid of the truth. We're not that great. <laughs> and we should know it. Come on, Chris. Bless you. So I pray the blessing of the Lord upon each one of you as you leave today. I pray that as we go into the new year, that it would be a new year for each and every one in this room, filled with many blessings, filled with love, filled with joy, filled with excitement, filled with amazing adventures and new challenges. And I pray that God would use you to bless those around you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.